Matt Canada sure sounded like a pretty upbeat dude yesterday, did he not? Catch any of that press conference? Guess what? He still doesn't have in place the solution that's needed. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Steelers versus Texans, 1.02 p.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday in Houston. And if the visitors are smart, they will utilize every opportunity to do what they really need to do to carry over whatever positive momentum they might have called from Las Vegas. Canada was asked yesterday what he'd most like to see carry over. We just continue to work and, you know, the same, same, same answer that's not magical or anything else. I mean, there's no, I said it last week when you got asked. I mean, we, we certainly have great belief in what we're doing, great belief in players, great belief in coaches. Um, until things are right consistently, we're not going to be happy. We found a way to win. That's really, really good. We did some things much better. There's a, you know, there's some things we can do much better. So we'll just keep keep trying to stack days, stack wins, get ourselves back to a consistent place where we want to be and hopefully take it from there. All right, that's a total nothing answer. There's not a thing to be gleaned from a single syllable that he just spoke there, and not just because he avoided the main subject. And that is this. Until the Steelers can run the ball, until Najee Harris and Jalen Warren in particular can run the ball on a consistent basis where they avoid catastrophic carries, which is how I'm going to refer to any carry that's a one-yard gain or worse, meaning one, zero, or a loss. You're not going to believe this number. This is a real statistic. The Steelers have carried the ball 62 official times through three games. 26 of those have resulted in one of those catastrophic carries. 26 out of 62, more than once every three times, they're stopped dead. If you want to talk about rhythm and expanding the playbook and diversifying uh, both the weaponry and the strategy involved in the offense, You can't get past this. You can't bypass this. There's no end around for this because no one is going to take your running game seriously. You think about the play action that Kenny Pickett utilized on that Pat Fryermuth touchdown. And when Kenny was asked about this, both in Las Vegas and then again back in Pittsburgh, he responded that, well, play action is most effective when you can run the ball. Okay, that sounds really good. He's trying to pump up his guys, but the Steelers hadn't been running the ball particularly well at all. And in fact, nothing about that particular play action suggested that the Raiders were being excessively protective against the run. It still hasn't happened. It still hasn't formed. I can't 
emphasize this point strongly enough. Whether or not the Steelers get their desired outcome in Houston, they're going to have to become more proficient in this regard. If you go back to last season, if you go over those final nine games, that 7-2 and two run, in which the Steelers averaged 146.4 yards per game, they were able to get these, and they were able to get them fairly easily, meaning these short carries, these just get past the line and fall down kind of carries. But so many of these plays are getting blown up before they even have a chance to get going. So I don't mean to just mention the names of the two running backs because the offensive line hasn't been doing anywhere near enough to create the room that's needed even just to escape the beginning of the sequence. When you're seeing Dan Moore, Chuksakorafor, James Daniels, Mason Cole, Isaac Seomalo giving up one individual leaking through that line and making their way back to Najee or Jalen and just getting a hand on them. Sometimes that's all it takes. Making them run a different direction, throwing them off from where they'd intended to go. That's <laughs> that's a play that's DOA. You know, it's got no chance or very, very little chance. I've seen people point out that Najee ranks in the top five in the NFL for yards after contact. All of his yards are after contact. Of course he does. It's just law of averages. Gotta change that. I believe that starts up front, but I'm not about to let the running backs themselves off the hook. Focus on this more than anything else Sunday if you want to begin really believing in your team, independent of whether they win or lose. When we come back, J1Q. Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG is a personal injury law firm in western Pennsylvania that represents people hurt in car accidents or who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice. When the attorneys at LGKG make you a promise... They keep it. They've been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG's been AV rated, the highest rating a law firm can receive, and they've been designated super lawyers. That's actually a thing for over 15 years. It's a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-842. 5454 LGKG Today's J1Q comes from Joey who says, DK, a few months ago I was your J1Q asking if it was possible that George Pickens' lack of route diversity last year was a reflection of his route running ability. I think it's safe to say now that even if that was the case last year, it's an area that's clearly been worked on. It's seen a lot of improvement, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, credit where due. Regardless of who would actually get the bulk of that credit, meaning from a coaching or instructional standpoint, you got to give it up for the athlete because he's the one that's out there making it happen. George has some 
Neat stats, by the way. 13 catches through three games, over 23 targets. That sounds not all that great. That's a lot of things that didn't connect, but most of those happened in the first couple of games when Kenny was just misfiring like crazy. Eight of George's 13 catches have resulted in first downs. I love that stat. Almost as much as the fact that he's got an 18.3 average catch. When you look at what George has done on the field, setting aside the numbers, I'm talking about just plain old laying eyeballs on him. You're seeing that he's moving around a lot. You're seeing that he's going, my God, uh, slant routes, something he didn't do, I don't think, even once in 2022. You're seeing him come back to the ball. You're seeing him break over the middle and split guys. You're seeing you're seeing what arguably we should have seen last year. But, you know, I can't rule out because I've heard myself that George wasn't all that great at route running. Now, I've heard myself that part of the reason they brought in Allen Robinson as a veteran, part of the reason they urged Deontay Johnson to take on more of a leadership role was that they wanted to have George commit more toward learning, toward absorbing, toward not necessarily assuming he can just walk out onto the field and make magic happen, even though he kind of can. And it turns out now, especially with Deontay out, that that facet, that specific facet of George's game really isn't optional. Not for any of these guys anymore, including Calvin Austin. They've all got to be able to do a little bit of everything until 18 gets back. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that I liked about what George has said, let alone done, since Deontay's gone down, is that he's embraced that part of it. There are receivers who just see themselves as big play guys. There are receivers who think that their only obligation to the football team is to be Randy Moss and just go streaking down the field. Put it up. I'll get it. But George hasn't done that. George has done a lot of different things, including, by the way, continued excellent run blocking. That's something that's been in play from the day he arrived. He was doing that in college. So is George all he can be yet? No, of course not. Second year, different things have happened along the way. But he's getting there. This is marked progress for him to be a multi-pronged threat. Think of it this way. Think of what you saw from Devontae Adams the other night in Las Vegas with those 10 catches. The Steelers, I thought, had fairly decent, not all the time, but fairly decent coverage on him. I don't think they were embarrassing themselves. It's a soft zone and all that stuff, so it looks really bad at times. But it's not like they were just handing him these catches. He was getting open for them, and he was getting open for them because they had no idea where he'd go. They had no idea where he'd line up, where he'd end up. And if you can get more of that into George's game, however much you can, oh boy, I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. I'm flying out to Houston tomorrow, and we will do another one of these programs on Monday.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.